Hey, if you got your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to have a conversation that's going to last these next three weeks. Uh, looking at Peter's words of encouragement to Christians in ancient Rome. And um, life doesn't ask our permission to get crazy and out of hand, does it? Ever. Does it? Thank you. All right, talking to myself. I spent the last 11 weeks talking to myself. I ain't putting up with that no more. If I ask a question, you answer. You hear what I'm saying, okay? I'm glad to have people in here for once. I'm tired of staring at this glass eye, laughing at my own jokes, because I don't know if you think it's funny or not on the other side of the camera, you know? Life don't ask our permission, does it? It just does whatever it wants to do, and it gets crazy fast, gets out of control fast. I'm confident that that is very much a part of God's design to lovingly pull the rug out from under his people over and over again throughout our lives. It's part of our refining process as he is shaping us into the image of Christ Jesus, but he also informed us on how to, how to navigate those situations. We're going to call this next three-week discussion through 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, healing through the hard stuff, healing through the hard stuff. Um, I know that no matter where you are in the spectrum of life right now, there's probably some hard stuff you're grappling with because, hey, guess what? That's life. This is how it works. One day, one day we will transcend past this. One day we will be with our king once and for all, forever, new heaven, new earth. But for right now, in the in-between, we're going to grapple with the hard stuff of life. And he is going to be the faithful God that he always has been. As long as we lean into him for our hope and our help and not lean into the things of the world. Which if you do, you'll continue to be disappointed. But if we lean into him, we trust in him, we start putting into play his strategy for things like this, healing through the hard stuff, we're going to see just radical and miraculous work of God in and through our lives as we are learning to trust him, learning to yield the stuff. Peter had to encourage the Christians in, in ancient Rome because Nero, the emperor of Rome, was burning the city of Rome down. And as some of you may remember historically, it is remembered that, that Nero was burning the city to the ground as he, as he was kind of playing the violin on his roof. Um, I think that's the instrument he was playing, right, for you historians in the room? Um, Things got really bad. People were blaming Nero for burning the city to the ground, uh, saying that he wanted to rebuild, that he had a lust for building, so he was burning what already existed. He wanted to be his own. And so Nero started to turn the heat on Christians because they were already under an immense amount of persecution. A lot of the Roman world already hated them, so he started blaming Christians for burning Rome to the ground. So think about the pressure of being a Christian at that particular point in history. So many of them lost their homes, they lost family members and loved ones because of what was going on. They were in the middle of an incredible crisis and turmoil. So the apostle Peter wrote them a letter to encourage them on how to heal through the hard stuff, on how to live victoriously, though all this crazy mayhem may be going on in your life, and to live victoriously in such a way that we continue to be people of faith and to trust in God and that we not grow bitter in the process. And so we're going to be looking at six different principles, six different principles in 1 Peter chapter 1 of how to put into play healing through the hard stuff in your life. And for those of you that like it when I do the five steps to this and the seven steps to that, and I get up here and say, we don't preach like that around here, well, we're going to preach like that around here for this one. 
This is just too timely of a conversation for us to have and what we're going through. And with all the weirdness of trying to reopen the church, this is just a great conversation to have that we can do in about three weeks. So I'm going to give you six principles, but I'm only going to give you two each week. Here's why. Because if I gave you all six today, you wouldn't go put them into practice. So I'm going to give you two today. You have a whole week to practice, and then when you come back next week, I'll give you two more. And before you know it, you're going to have your quiver full of ammo of how to heal through the hard stuff when life gets out of hand. And so let's start where the Apostle Peter uh, started, uh, with these people, and encourage them with this. We're going to jump in in verse 3 just to get to the meat of it. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. If you checked out, check back in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. Who did the causing there? This is a work of God. It started with God. It was authored by him. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you, what's that word? Say rejoice. Say it like you're rejoicing, though, not like rejoice, you know. Like, say it like you're rejoicing. There we go, yeah. In this you rejoice. He's reminding you of the hope, the good news that we have of the gospel. He's reminding these people in a very dark hour of their life that they have been given an inheritance through their relationship with Christ Jesus and his resurrection that is unfading, undeniable, unchanging. And in this we rejoice, he says, though now for a little while, does this sound like your life? Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which by the way is more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And what's that word? Rejoice, Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. This is the gospel in a nutshell, the good news in a nutshell right there. And the first thing the apostle Peter tells the people to do is they are suffering through the hard stuff, as they want to begin the process of healing through the hard stuff, the first thing that he says is, guess what? What was the theme there? Rejoice. Rejoice. Which makes me want to ask the question, like, God, are you so totally disconnected to what I'm going through in my life right now that the first thing you would roll out for me to do to put into play is rejoice? Sure, maybe step 10, but we got to get some things in order. We got to get some things leaning my way before I can get to a place of rejoicing, Right? He says, no, first and foremost, you rejoice. This is actually a theme all throughout Scripture, believe it or not. James tells the Christian Hebrews, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. What? Paul tells the people of Thessalonians, the Thessalonica, people of Thessalonica, he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Paul also tells the people of Philippi who are going through a very difficult, anxious time in their community. He says, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Why does this common thread seem to be a part of Scripture and it's so counterintuitive? That is not our first impulse when we're going through the hard stuff, is it? And that's why God tells us to go there first, rejoice. See, God has known something about us long before science discovered it. 
Did you know in Psalm chapter 139, it reminds us that you were knit together fearfully and wonderfully by the hands of God in your mother's womb. He did that. He put you together, and he knows how you work. He knows you better than you. He knows you better than modern science knows you. And as a matter of fact, he knew something about us. And the reason why he keeps telling us to rejoice, he knew something about us before modern medicine discovered it, which, by the way, they just discovered this over the last couple of decades. And we found out that the joy department of our brain and the spirituality department of our brain are in the same area. You think God did that on purpose? You think he knew that before science figured it out? And so he told us, when you go through the hard stuff, do this very counterintuitive thing, and you need to rejoice first. You may not feel happy yet. Your emotions may not be caught up to it yet, but you need to rejoice first. God knew something about us that we're learning as kingdom people, that we are not physical bodies that just so happen to have a spirit. We are spiritual beings that just so happen to have a body. And our flesh, when hard stuff happens, our bodies, our flesh cries out to fix the problem. And so it says, run to the bottle, call your counselor, grab your pills. Our flesh cries out, get angry, get even, lash out with your mouth. Do something. The first step you got to put into play is this, and it gives us all these really bad options. And God has equipped us so that our first step towards healing should be rejoicing. To speak to the spirit and from the spirit first. And do the opposite of what the flesh is telling us to do. Because we aren't fleshly beings that just so happen to have a spirit. We are spiritual beings that just so happen to have flesh. If we keep that order right, if we stay true to that, and we learn that rejoicing is the first thing that he has called us to do in his word time and time and time again. So rejoice, Grace Bible, rejoice. If you're having a hard time rejoicing, I, you hear the old hymn, count your many blessings. If you're running up short on being able to count blessings in this particular time in your life, to be quite honest, to keep it in context, the apostle Peter had just given them a great reason to rejoice that wasn't tethered to the below-the-line things of this world. If you need a little kindling to light the fire of you being able to rejoice, in the Lord, he says this, back to what we just read, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This is good news. Rejoice. When all else fails, rejoice in this. Rehearse the gospel. Some of you need to go home this week and your first step to healing through the hard stuff because you're having a hard time finding finding things in your situation to be joyful about. Rehearse the gospel just like Peter did with these people in ancient Rome. Go back and spend the time reading Romans chapter, uh, I mean, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9 out loud to yourself. And let your heart and your head hear your mouth say it over and over again, several times a day if you have to. Continue to declare what is right and true and rejoice even though you may not be feeling joyful and eventually your emotions will catch up. Do what you know is right and true. Rejoice first. Don't worry about your emotions. Don't let that be the truth. Remember, that's a fleshly impulse. That's telling you to do something else. And God has told you as a spiritual being that he is recreated in, in his likeness that you need to rejoice first. He knows how you work. He even designed your brain that way. He knows how you work. Rejoice first. Next thing that he says 
We're going to jump over to verse 13. Before I get there, the next principle we're going to talk about, let me just explain for those of you that ask me, why are you, why are you skipping verse 10 through 12? Well, it's just basically, let me sum this up for you. Verse 10 through 12 is just telling us that the Lord had declared these things, this good news, the things that cause us to rejoice, the imperishable, unfading inheritance that we have for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's, he says in 10 through 12 that those People of old, before Jesus came, he told them that it was coming one day, and they rejoiced in that. And he is now telling us as a people, we get to look back over our shoulder and rejoice in it, that it has happened, that the work of Christ has, done, has been done and is being done in our lives. And that last line of verse 12 is really interesting. It says, even the angels long to look into this. In other words, the angels have been on the edge of the seat the whole time. This is such good news that has captivated them throughout the generations, watching the love story of God be displayed to a wicked world. Even the angels are on the edge of their seat. This is such good news. Hey, Grace Bible, rejoice. Say it again. Rejoice. The second thing he gets into, principle number two, the last one we'll talk about today is in verse 13. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. It's probably good advice because I don't know if you're anything like me, but when stuff goes south, when the rug gets pulled out from under my life, my mind starts running everywhere, right? You're thinking about stuff. You make the commute from home to work and you don't even remember the drive because your mind is just everywhere but where you are. That's what happens when you get stressed out. That's what happens when chaos hits our lives, when the hard stuff comes, like, and he's telling us to prepare our mind for action. Like when, when, you're, when your mind is just wanders off into all the million and one scenarios that you're worrying about and playing in your mind over and over again that may not even happen. Like when that happens, your mind has officially just been thrown into neutral. And he's telling us, don't let your minds be thrown into neutral. Keep it in gear. Prepare your minds for action. Because a mind that's been thrown into neutral is going to get carried away by worry and fear and doubt and stress and everything else. That's evidence that your mind has been thrown into neutral. And he says, no, rejoice first. Rejoice in what you know is right and true and good. Rehearse the gospel to yourself even. Declare those things that are true. Let your heart and your emotions get caught up to that. But prepare your minds for action. Keep it in gear. Put your mind in gear. Because a mind that's thrown into neutral, an idle mind is going to get carried away by its worries. But a mind in gear is going to be able to contend with those worries. You're going to be able to push back against that. They're not going to consume you because you don't have an idle mind. It's been put into action. Now, some of your Bibles, my Bible, we're reading out of the ESV here. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Some of your Bibles actually say, therefore, gird the loins of your mind. I'm glad my translation says what it says. Uh, gird the loins of your mind. You know, like that's, like we, we don't connect emotionally with that gird the loins. That sounds kind of weird. Um, girding the loins was actually an ancient practice. Some of your translations say that, therefore, gird the loins of your mind. It was an ancient practice of before you, if you had to move forward quickly, you would have to pick up the loose ends of your robe if you were going to run. Now, you fellas, half of y'all came in wearing shorts this morning. Y'all don't, don't understand that. Ladies, you get what I'm talking about. If you have to move quickly to go get your kid from running out into the street and you have a long dress on, what do you do? You kick them heels off and you gird your loins and you're gone. You get it. 
because you can't move forward. You definitely can't move forward fast when you got loose ends dangling along the ground. And that's just, it's interesting that Peter would choose girding the loins as the metaphor to describe what preparing your mind for action looks like. You get it? He's saying, gather up the loose ends. Gather up all the hindrances that are keeping you from moving forward fast. Gather those in so that you can move forward. Rejoice. Gird your loins. Prepare your minds for action, he says. Well, how do we know what the loose ends of our mind are? How do we know what the things that are dragging the ground that are too much, that are are keeping us from moving forward, how, how do we know what those things are? Well, to keep this in context... I'm going to give you a couple examples of how to know what this is for you. To keep this in context, first and foremost of what Peter is saying right there, remember when he gave us this instruction, he said, therefore, prepare your minds for action. What have we talked about? What is, how do we know what the therefore is there for? The best way to know, y'all say it with me now, the best way to know what the therefore is there for is by knowing what comes before the therefore. Got it? If you want to know what the therefore is there for, you have to know what comes before the therefore. Well, we just read the before. We know what comes before it. He gave us the gospel in a nutshell. He reminded us of the hope and the grace that we have of God's steadfast commitment to us in our lives. Of the, the work that he has already accomplished, the work that he is accomplishing, the work that he will one day accomplish for us. That he is keeping this salvation for us secure in him, and one day we're going to get to realize and experience the fullness of it. Like he reminds us of all those things that are true. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, he's saying any of the loose ends that do not have a direct correlation to the truths of God and his word and what he has accomplished, they're loose ends indeed. They're going to keep you from moving forward, and they will definitely keep you from moving forward fast. If you're finding what you believe and what is true and your strategy for healing and help and hope and getting through this mess and healing through the hard stuff, is it, if it is something outside the truth of what God has declared is true, you won't be moving forward and you sure won't be moving forward fast. Gird up the loins of your mind. Bring in all the loose ends. Now I want to give you something even more practical, just some bare knuckles practical teaching on this exact thing. The Apostle Paul, when he was addressing the church of Philippi, the community of Philippi, when they were going through some hard stuff, they were dealing with an immense amount of anxious things that were taking place in their world. And he ministers to them in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. You can read that. That's kind of the, 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 the chunk section that you want to look at when it comes to that. And he says this, he says, he starts out, surprise, surprise, by telling them, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. That's what Paul starts out with. Step one, rejoice. And then he goes on to describe to them down in verse eight. I actually want to show you verse eight. He gives us a filter of what it looks like to prepare your mind for action, to gird up the loins of your mind so that you can move forward. He gives us this filter right here. And he says this in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Whatever is true, And by the way, when the Bible says whatever is true, it's referring to what is actually true. Just in case you were wondering. Okay, when the Bible says whatever is true, it's not talking about, oh, my heart, I just feel in my heart that this is true. Who cares what you feel in your heart? 
If you keep finding your truth and what you feel in your heart, you're going to be dangling these loose ends around while you're trying to move forward. You'll never get there. So he says, whatever is true, actually true, 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 bonafide, surefied true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure and just and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise, think about these things. Get it? Because everything that's outside of these things are the hindrances of your robe. They're going to keep you from moving forward. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's excellent, think about those things. Gird up the loins of your mind, prepare for action. Don't let your mind slip into neutral, but keep it in gear and dwell on the things that are true and right and pure and holy and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. Because everything outside of those categories, those are the things that are dragging you down. Those are the things that are keeping you from moving forward. You can't move forward with that bitterness. You can't move forward with that that anger and that spite and that maliciousness or that prejudice. You can't move forward with that hatred. You can't move forward with that unforgiveness. You can't move forward like that. Gird up the loins of your mind. Think about these things, whatever is true and noble and honorable and praiseworthy and excellent. Rejoice, Grace Bible. Rejoice even when your emotions haven't caught up to it yet. Declare the things that are, are true. Rehearse the gospel this week. This is a good spot to remember how to rehearse the gospel. Read the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9 to yourself out loud this week. Several times over and over again as you put this into play, as you begin to move into a place of healing through the hard stuff, and gird up the loins of your mind to take action. Put it in gear. Ask yourself when those thoughts, when those worries, when those fears come into your mind, because they will. Ask yourself, grab that thought and take it captive. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week, taking our thoughts captive. Grab that thought, take it captive, and ask yourself in a form of a question, is this thing true? I mean, true, true, true. Not what my heart is telling me or what my feelings are feeling. Is this thing true, true? Is it like measurably true? Is it honorable? Is it pure? Is it just? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If it doesn't fit that criteria, you know what? I'm not going to dwell on that thing anymore. I'm going to dwell on what I know is right and true and just and praiseworthy. Let me pray for you about that. This is one of the many things, Lord, that we can't pull off apart from the power of your Holy Spirit because my heart and flesh fail me all the time. And they are loudly declaring to me, a different strategy to fix my feelings and my situation. And what you're telling me is so against the grain of what I feel comfortable with and what comes natural and what everybody else outside of me is doing that I'm going to need the power of your Holy Spirit to remind me of what is true and just and praiseworthy and honorable and excellent. I'm going to need you to remind me to bring to mind, just as you promised your spirit would, to bring to mind those things that are going to generate a rejoicing heart in me 
God, lead us into rejoicing and lead us into an active thinking as we begin the process of healing through the hard stuff. In Jesus' name, amen.